Tonight we're going to take a look at a song, and then I think we're going to take a look at what the song says to us, in that what he is really asking, the writer of the song. Our sources for tonight come from two books. John Ortberg wrote a book entitled Faith and Doubt. It's outstanding. And Alistair McGrath, his book is, in called, is called Doubting. And both are very well-written and outstanding books. Uh, the song goes this way. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day save your sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? That child you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kissed your little baby, you kissed the face of God. Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? You see, the song says you're going to have this baby, and when you have the baby, can you see what the baby's going to do? And she couldn't. And because of that, we've got to come to the subject of faith. Now, a lot of people think that faith is just a decision once made, it's always there. I'm not one who believes that. There are various things that control your faith. For instance, emotions. If you are up and happy and things seem to be going your way, your faith is probably really strong at the moment. And you can look to God and be thankful to him. On the other hand, if you're down in emotions and things aren't going your way, well, then you probably don't have as strong of faith. The second is the amount of knowledge you have. Now, this isn't necessarily Bible knowledge. This is knowledge about God. What does God do? What doesn't God do? How does he react? Getting a handle on how God reacts and what he does is vital. And third, and this is why I'm using the subject, situations beyond your control. If you don't know yet, we're in a pandemic. And the pandemic is controlling us to the point that we are going to counselors at a record rate. Those situations that, beyond, that are beyond your control, they're situations that you don't see an end to. And because you don't see an end to it, you can really start losing your faith. So let's talk about what kind of situations we're talking. These are the two questions that I want to sort of be on all night. 
when was your faith really obvious? And it's, it's strong. This one's easy for me. It's when I looked into Michelle's eyes for the first time. I held her the night she was born. But what I don't tell most people is that she was supposed to be born the last week of April and they were saying April 1st. She wasn't born until April 31st. Now I found out whenever Michelle started having our grandchildren that mother follows daughter or daughter follows mom. When Ollie picked him up for the first time, he smiled at me, and they were trying to tell me he was outright laughing at me. But what we don't tell people about that is Ollie came two and a half months late. It wasn't until he came that the doctor said, you can't deliver, you just can't deliver the way your body's made. And they did a cesarean. If it wasn't for a member of the her church that came by who was the head of who was the head of babies <laughs> at another hospital, they wouldn't have known. So there are the kind of things that you can be at, at a low point and go to a high point, or sometimes you go from a high point to a low point. The best way I can explain it probably is that uh, we were looking up at the stars last night. I'm sure you heard about the Star of David and two planets aligning and all that. Some call it the Star of Bethlehem. Some people call it the Jesus Star. It can be any of those. But when you got up this morning, if you came out and you looked up, the stars weren't there, but they were. They hadn't gone away. We just couldn't see them because the darkness was gone. You see, sometimes it's the darkness that gives us the faith. And sometimes it's the faith that clears up the darkness. So we're going to look at some of the things that happened in life and look at how it affected the faith. Anybody like to talk about some time in their life when their faith was challenged or whether their faith was great? Okay. Yeah, you can go back there. That would be fine. Absolutely. around the holidays because um, in 1985 my father's only brother passed away at, um, on Christmas Eve and then which was um, December 24th 1985 and then on December 26 1985 my best friend was killed on a job and um, I was not with the Lord, I was a backslider then, 
and I chose other ways to deal with it, and it was not faith. And um, then um, my aunt died when I had God back in my life. And I knew how to deal with that time of year. And I tell people about what time of year. And um, yesterday, no, today, this morning, I found that a man treated me as a good friend. He died in a couple of days ago drowning in Corpus Christi, Texas. And my um, good friend, um, he was his close friend, and he was good to me. But I know that what my faith is today, when I, I, and I, when my friend told me, he told me he had cried when he found out, and I told him that I would pray for him, my, the, the friend that we lost, and for my friend after I hung up the phone, which I did immediately. And I found that in my good life with God, that I can pray for the good times I had with these people and the gift that they were in my journey of life. And it was a good thing. And I share that with people about this time of year for me. And it's okay. Um, life is life on life's terms. I don't have to dwell on it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's talk about the life of Jesus, not so much the birth, but the life. He's 12 years old in Luke chapter 2, and they're going to Jerusalem for the Passover. Most of us have some idea, but the Passover is one of the most important meals for the Jewish people. He's 12 years old, and they go to the feast, and the feast is over, and so they're going back home, and back in this time, kids really were raised by their relatives. They all sort of grouped together, and the way it happened, the father passed some land on to the son, and the next son passed it on to his son. So you ended up with a, a big group of relatives taking care of each other. So they figure he's got to be with one of those other uncles or relatives somewhere. When they couldn't find him with anybody that they trusted, they knew he was back in Jerusalem. Now they've traveled a day out. They're going to travel a day back. In three days, they're, they're looking for him. And they find him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And he's amazing everybody who get, comes in contact with him. When his parents see him, they're astonished, and his mother says, why have you treated like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he said. Didn't you know I had to be about my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Okay, what's the, the problem they've got? A lost child. Have you ever had a lost child? Okay, a couple people shaking their heads yes. Michelle used to hide in the clothes racks. There were round clothes racks when she was little. And she would hide in the middle of those. And I would panic not being able to find her. 
Anybody else have somebody like that? No? You're shaking your head yes, babe. Well, yes, my wife, by the way. Everybody call you babe. Yeah, I was, uh, when I was working Extended Day, and we were on a field trip out in the country, I mean, really out in the country. And we had a young boy about 10 years old that wandered off. And it took us an hour to find him. And, uh, you know, I was the responsible person, supposedly. And uh, that fear of... Okay. You know, so a child that you were responsible for out in the country wandered away. Yeah, that'd be scary. I'm with you. Why do you think Mary and Peter was so anxious, not Peter, but Joseph? Jesus almost has a totally different view of this. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know who he was. Good. But Jesus knew who he was. But Jesus knew who he was. He knew who he was. Okay, good. He, he, was his, he knew that he was God's son. Very good. Doesn't really say how Joseph reacted, but it does say how Mary reacted. She says, basically, she, to, the way I read it is, I still don't understand everything, but I know there's something more here than meets the eye. Uh -huh. I, don't, I don't under, you know, the whole thing started out where she said, I don't understand, but I have faith in God. And it's continuing. And she won't come to the point where she understands it until the resurrection. She doesn't. She really doesn't. In fact, that happens to this whole family. This is out of Mark 3. Jesus is teaching in a house, and because he's teaching in the house, there are a bunch of people who have come in to uh, hear him, and they're pressing so much on Jesus and the disciples they can't even eat. Now his family comes when they hear about it to take charge for them of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. The teachers of law come from Jerusalem and say he's demon-possessed by the prince of demons. He's driving out demons. And then Mary and the family come, and they, they send somebody in. And they said, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus said, who are my mother and my brothers? And he looked at those seated at a circle around him and said, my brother, mother, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and mother and sister. Okay, what's happening here? Now, this is another one, but that, that's a good one because a lot was happening there. Well, yeah, they showed up at that one, too. They did. Very good. What is happening here is that Jesus has got some brothers that really have sort of a heavy influence on him. They're at the... Feast of the Tabernacles, they want him to leave Galilee where he feels safe and go down to Judah where he's not safe. 
And they keep saying, you ought to go down and do a miracle or two. Uh, do your stuff. And then it tells you why. In verse 5 of John 7. For even his brothers did not believe in him. That's tough. What would keep brothers from believing in him? They knew him when. They knew him when. <laughs> they knew him when? They knew him when he was a kid. Yeah. Growing up, he was a little different, definitely. How many brothers did Jesus have? Do we know? I have heard seven, but I don't know that that's correct. They were older, uh, Younger. They, they were younger. They were younger. Yeah. He wouldn't convert James, who is his younger brother, until he was resurrected from the dead. That's when he appears to James out of in 1 Corinthians 15. James is one of the last ones he appears to before he goes back to heaven. It sounds so, like in the previous passage that they were the brothers. Uh, were being influenced by the Jewish teachers, and they knew that Jesus was Jesus was in big trouble from the Jewish leaders, and uh, they thought maybe he, instead of really being who he says he was, that maybe he was mentally ill. So okay, their good. their faith is definitely wavering in this passage you know it just says they don't believe from what I read here I don't think they got to see any of the miracles yet and because they hadn't got to see the miracles yet I, I don't think they've established a belief but there you have some people who have a very strong faith and what he did by saying here are my mothers and my brothers he's broadening out the relationships. Uh, we like to call ourselves brothers and sisters. In Jesus' world, that's what he intended. Those who are from him or following him are family. Okay. Yes? Where, where is that? I don't know exactly. I, I didn't go into that. I'll find it for you. Sue's going to find it for you. Email it to you. Okay. Not only did he have trouble with his family, he had trouble coming and convincing people who were sent for his coming. Now, this is John the Baptist. And he's been out in the desert of Judea trying to get people to repent of their sins. It was going over great with the people, but not with the Pharisees. And he quotes Isaiah, which is very important. A voice is one calling in the desert, prepare, make way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And Jesus comes to be baptized, and John tries to stop him and saying, I need to be baptized by you. I don't need to be baptizing you. 
needs to go the other way. Jesus, Jesus says, let it be so for now. Let's do it to fulfill righteousness. And John consents, and as soon as he was baptized, he went out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He sees the Spirit of God descending like a dove and landing on him, and a voice from heaven saying, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Um, Matt uh, wrote in with a comment or two. Okay. As soon as I can find it, sorry. That's all right. James and Jude were both his brothers who obviously ended up believing because of what they wrote about in the scriptures. Um, they had not seen miracles yet, I agree. Remember his first miracle, he told his mother it was before his time. Very and then good. he says, so we aren't really sure what they witnessed before during his ministry, but they believed in the end and became pillars of the church. Oh, very good. I'm glad to, to hear from Matt. The next day when he comes, John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Where would you say John's faith is? Oh, it's, it's really on top of the world. And he tells why he believes that. This is whom I said it. After me comes a man who ranks before me, for he is before me. I did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And he says, I saw the Spirit descending on him. It remained on him. I myself didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize water, he said to me on, he who you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. Now, where's John as far as his relationship with Jesus? Cousins. And he's really saying, this is the guy that God sent after me. I came to prepare the way for him, but this is the guy. John stands the next day, and he sees Jesus, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And two disciples decide they want to follow and. Jesus turns around and sees them following, and they said, he says to him, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said, come and see, and they stay, because it was 10 o'clock at night. And the two heard John speak and followed Jesus. One of the two was Andrew. And because John, the apostle John wrote, this gospel, and he doesn't tell who the second guy is, most feel it's probably John. But then things change. So far it's been 
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the one that I'm here for. Everything I've done up to here is for this guy. And now Herod decides he wants to get John the baptizer under control. So he rests him. He doesn't have to be charged with anything, which is good, because there wasn't a charge that would stick. But things start changing when he realizes this is going to be a permanent situation. And the disciples of John go to Jesus and they say, are you the one? Or do we look for another? When the man came and they said that John the Baptist has sent us to you and are you the one? Or shall we ask for another? Jesus refers to what he's been doing since they got there. He's healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits and those who are blind. He bestowed sight. He answered, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now that's a string of passages from Isaiah chapter 2 all the way to Isaiah chapter 61. If you want probably the best place to catch most of them, go to Isaiah chapter 61 beginning in verse 1. Where's John the Baptist? In prison. In prison. <laughs> That's my wife. Uh, where's his faith? It's dropped since here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now he says, tell me if he really is the guy we've been looking for. Do you see a situation he can't control? He's been serving God all this time and now he's in a a place where he thinks he'll be forever or at least till he dies at Herod's say-so. And his faith gets a lot harder. Okay. The disciples. When you think of a disciple, what do you think of faith-wise? Is that high or medium? Depends on the disciple. Depends on the disciple, it does. Well, and, and you know, knowing the stories of Jesus and the disciples, we know that it was up and down, up and down, up and down for them. When things went well and they could do the miracles that they were sent out to do great, when they couldn't do them, then not so much. <laughs> okay, good. We got a couple where they weren't so good and a couple where they were. Uh, one day Jesus has been teaching 
by the side and they get into a boat and they set out and as he, he fell asleep in the boat. If you're preaching and teaching all day, chances are you're tired. And they sailed as he slept. And one of those storms come down out of the mountains onto the Sea of Galilee and the disciples waking, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. And the storm was calm. These are fishermen. These are guys who have been through a lot of storms on Lake Galilee. And yet they feel that this is the one that's going to do them in. And Jesus says, where is your faith? In fear and amazement, they ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him. Where's his faith? Now their faith is really up here. Yeah. Because he did something they'd never seen anyone do before. Yes, healing, oh right. There were other people that claimed to heal along. But to control the winds and the sea, that was, that was something they just couldn't imagine anyone being able to do. Can you see the emotional roller coaster they just went through? We, we have doctors today that say that they heal people but we don't have meteorologists that say that they stop hurricanes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Chuck? It's interesting. They went to him and woke him up and said, don't you care? And they expected to do something. And when he does something, they go, look what he did. I don't know what they expected him to do. But then when he says, okay, winds, be calm. Water, settle out. And it, it happened, you know, they hadn't seen it before, evidently, you know, like as John says at the end of his book, he says, I wrote everything, there aren't enough books to contain it all. Yeah. But the impression here I get is this is the first time they've seen him have command over what would be considered nature, a, a, an event in nature. You know, they'd seen people heal, uh -huh. but they hadn't seen this. Excellent. Excellent. Did somebody else have something to say? No? Okay. Jesus comes to the region of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they answer, some think you're John the Baptist. They have a very strong belief that God sends back people he has used in the past. And so John the Baptist is dead at this time, but this could be John the Baptist back in life. Others say you're Elijah or maybe Jeremiah. It was a tough time when they lived, and now they've got a 
tough guidance, and Jesus says, well, what about you? And Peter answers, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Why is Peter where he is? Holy Spirit, very good. When he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, we think he, he's got this strong belief, but keep reading. Because Jesus tells him he's going to Jerusalem, he's going to suffer many things, and they're going to kill him on the third day. And then he's going to rise again to life. And Peter takes him aside and rebukes him. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turns and says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You see Peter going from a high to... What's the difference? I'm sorry. Things are going to get tough. Things are going to get tough. You know, Peter was a fisherman. How well he was acquainted with prophecy, we don't know at this time. But I would imagine if he had been, maybe he would have been a little bit more understanding of what Christ said in 21 to say, I've got to, I've got to die. Mm -hmm. But Peter was thinking with his heart, saying, I love this man. I don't want this man to go. Mm -hmm. And how can things work out the way I think they need to work out, not knowing that Christ was the sacrifice for all mankind? Mm -hmm. He didn't understand it. So he was reasoning from the standpoint of it. Whereas the other one, when he said, you are the son of the living God, he said, Men didn't reveal this to you. God through the Spirit revealed this to you. Mm -hmm. So Peter was, Peter was, he hadn't figured things out last time, and he still hadn't figured things out. Yeah, he's still trying to get there. But he goes. Okay. So Matt says, I believe Peter was a man of God with great conviction, but even after spending all this time with Jesus, they were still expecting a physical kingdom. Oh, good. But he went from what God wanted down to what he wanted. And sometimes that happens, and it gets in the way of your faith. Okay. It looks like I have about ten minutes. Jesus has been crucified, and he is resurrected. And the first people who get a real detailed description of him after his resurrection are two men on the road to Emmaus. There are two men, they're walking, going to a village called Emmaus, which is seven miles about to Jerusalem. They're talking about what had happened during the week. And Jesus comes up and he walks with them. But it, they we're kept from recognizing him. Doesn't say how, but it, they don't recognize Jesus. 
And he asked, what were y'all talking about? And they stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them said, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem that you don't know what's happened? What things, asked Jesus of Nazareth. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet in word and deed before God and all the people, and the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced, and they crucified him. We'd hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. What is more, the third day since this took place. In addition, our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early but didn't find his body. And they told us they'd seen a vision of angels. Some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they didn't see him. And Jesus says, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the, that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things in beginning with Moses and all the prophets? He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they're approaching the village, Jesus acts like he's going further, but they urge him to stay. So he stayed with them. He takes bread, he breaks it and gives it to them. And their eyes are opened and Jesus vanishes. Where have they gone? What's happened? Remember, their eyes are downcast. When you're walking around and your eyes are downcast, probably pretty down as far as emotions go. Yeah. It sounded like they were disciples and very disappointed. Very disappointed. We thought he was the one. But it didn't happen. They were looking, as I said, for somebody to redeem Israel. They weren't necessarily looking for someone to redeem the world. And you kind of see that in, in them wanting to throw off the control of Rome from Israel. I mean, we celebrate Hanukkah, or they celebrate Hanukkah, because of uh, the overthrow of the Seleucid Empire. That's, that's what that's all about, is this overthrow of the Seleucid. So in their minds was six to be an independent nation again and throw off the control and, and God be with them so they could be an independent nation again. They didn't understand. Yeah. They did not understand. Okay, I'm down to my last five minutes. And these disciples are locked up and Jesus comes and he says peace to you and they were startled and frightening and they believed he was a ghost and he said why are you troubled why doubt do doubts rise in your mind look at my hands and my feet it is I touch me a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have and he showed them his hands and his feet and they still did not believe it 
because of joy and amazement, they asked, he asked, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it. And He said, this is what I told you why I was still with you, that everything must be fulfilled, written about me in the law and the prophets and the Psalms. Now, the thing I want you to see here is Thomas is called the doubter because he wasn't there. They got to see his hands and his feet and his proof that he was who he said he was. Thomas wasn't there, but when he gets there, and Jesus tells him, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and reach into my side and stop doubting, but believe. It just took the same thing for Thomas that it took for the others. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. There's only one point I want you to take with you tonight. And that is, faith is not one decision that you keep up here all the time that I am super faith at this time, it can wane a little bit and you get it back. There are times when, when your emotions get in the way. Just like waiting for Michelle and Sue to give birth. I was pleading before that happened, before they gave birth. Once they gave birth, it was, all right, God. <laughs> but I was bleeding up to that point. Uh, my daughter got very sick. And for six months, it was one of those that I stayed awake to make sure she was okay. I've never prayed harder. but I did keep my faith. It just wasn't on top of the world all the time. So sometimes you see people who are worrying and you sit there and you wonder, where's your faith if you're worried? Well, sometimes faith isn't real strong and we do things that aren't natural for us. And sometimes it is strong. And you will show the difference as you believe. But God is just looking at you, asking you to believe in him. When things happen that you can't control, like a pandemic, keep your faith there. Keep praying. It'll make a difference. Thank you all for coming in the discussion. It was absolutely great. I appreciate you all being here.